0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.
1: Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of
0: doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash
1: live. A Playwright's Final Act. I'm Rebecca Lieb.
2: I'm Jason Horton.
1: And this is Ghost Town. People are put away in mausoleums above
2: the ground, which is a rather grisly idea. Uh, Personally, I intend to be buried at sea. The works of Tennessee Williams are iconic. From page to screen, titles like A Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, A Streetcar Named Desire, and The Glass Menagerie are staples in modern literature and the silver screen. Tennessee Williams was celebrated, but his personal life in his later years were anything but... Oof. We're going to talk about the strange death of Tennessee Williams.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Something I did not know and it figured it was something that I wouldn't know. I don't know why, mm-hmm. maybe because I'm just always interested in strange. Yeah. things in general and I was like, "Wow, this is a pretty pretty interesting one." And Ooh. It, and but really sad before it gets there.
1: Yeah. I think like what we know about Tennessee Williams is like obviously accomplished writer and playwright. But I think there's also the, the Southern like, you know, drinking, like the alcoholism, the kind of depression around that, that Southern Gothic tormented, you know, artist trope certainly works um, with his story. But beyond that, I, I don't know much about him or his death.
2: And you wonder, would the art be the same if it were not for that? It's really hard to say. Not, yeah. that, not that that makes it better or worse, or I'm kind of judging that process. But you wonder, like, would the the thing that we are celebrating the the person for be the same if they didn't have that? And a lot of really sad and and tormented people, publicly or privately, make great stuff and mm-hmm. also bad stuff. And then people that have pretty chill existences also put out great stuff and also very boring stuff
1: totally it's like a conversation i had a lot in art grad school where it's like can you separate the person from the art and it's really difficult it's really complicated and you kind of get to draw the line
2: you don't have to do that with us because Mm-mm. there is no art to separate
1: <laughs> just our shitty personalities yeah can you
2: separate our, <laughs> our bad personalities for our less bad personalities i don't think you can you can it's Mm-mm. one in the same
1: Mm-mm.
2: so there's the tennessee williams of the, up till the mid-1950s, let's say, the late 1950s, where a lot of the plays and, and movie adaptations came from. And then once you hit the 1960s is where things kind of start to fall apart for him in, in the grand sense. His health was deteriorating, sleeping pills, Aww. excessive drinking, depression, you know, they all kind of... Sometimes go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. And I think also you think to remedy one thing, you you know, you start using another, um, you know, obviously not with every case, but you're like, oh, I I can't sleep. I'm going to take this pill and I can't wake up. You know, like I think it's the uppers and the downers in the cycle of that is really
2: And I always find that really, I don't use the word triggering very much, but anything to do with sleep issues is very Mm -hmm. triggering. And not that I can compare, but I know how the desperation that comes with that and how you feel, even though. Big Picture, it you know, could be no big deal, but the way you manifest things, depending on who you are, I, uh, I kind of was like, it, it uh, every time I see that, I kind of get a I feel a little bit of anxiety when, um, yeah, I see that, but that kind of comes with the territory, sure, doing this. And all that really took its toll after the death of his partner of 14 years, Frank Merlot, in 1963. Mm-hmm. I think they had split up previously, like right before then, but they were still close and then Frank Malo got sick and then so they kind of connected again because they were mm-hmm. so close for so long. And then after he died, I mean, oh, regardless if you're God. together or not, I think it really uh, it took Ooh. its toll. And plus, you know, being, a, a, you know, homosexual and, you yeah. know, especially in the 1960s, but really anytime it's, you know, it could be tough depending on who you are, or what people expect from you. And, and uh, I think Definitely. now, you know, people might be a little less like, oh, a playwright that was you know a little bit eccentric and and that's that's not surprising but you know it was a a a tough thing back then it wasn't something a lot of people like wore on their sleeves and it took i mean still how far have we come i always say and i I don't know what the answer to that is
1: and also the subject of a lot of his work was really um you know heteronormative and romantic and i think that must be really tough to write that from an alternative perspective and probably you know I would find it tough, I think.
2: And there's a lot of, you know, machismo from mm-hmm. what I remember from, you know, especially like Streetcar Named Desire, mm-hmm. you know, really made Marlon Brando an iconic individual. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I remember reading The Glass Menagerie and how kind of sad that was. I was reading totally. in school and I was like, I don't fully get it the way I would get something now, but I always remember it being really sad.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is really sad. It's just like, it's like, choose your... Trauma, choose your ailment. Every character, it's just like the mom, the daughter, the caller. Like, you're just like, oh, this is just like a stew of depressing southern has-beens.
2: And it's always kind of kind of uh, swimming in alcohol in yeah, some way. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Always fights, like fiery, heated fighting. And, you, you know, sometimes phys- physical, physical. Uh, things <laughs> generally and, and yeah and just like what could have been like i think there's a lot of like nostalgia and torment around making bad life decisions which again you know if you're, you're ascribing that to the playwright like that is tough that's really sad
2: also it didn't help that his later plays so i mean going into the 1960s up until his death in the early 1980s they were just not as successful and that's yeah. tough the only one i can think of is night of the iguana yeah, not you think is made into a movie? Robert Mitchum, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. remember that was um, one of the bigger ones of his later, but that was 1961.
1: Yeah, that's... I do remember that. I think I've seen that. Um, but it's, again, it's like also... I mean, like most people, I think, especially most people who are really successful, like I would even say, you know, iconic uh, people in their fields and to just kind of not be as successful, you know, you think about like... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda after Hamilton, like, what do you do if- after Hamilton? Like, what do you, but that is something that plagues a lot of artists. But along with that, just the substance abuse issues, I'm sure, you know, we're not a fun part of that. Let's
2: take a quick break okay. and we're back.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take.
2: On February twenty fifth, nineteen eighty three, Tennessee Williams was found dead by his personal assistant, Mm. John Euchre. He was found on the floor of his suite at sixty East Fifty Fourth Street, the hotel Elise. Mm. Elise? I'm gonna say Elise in Manhattan. That's also where he wrote his last play in Masks, Outrageous and Austere, in nineteen eighty-two. I think it wasn't produced till way, way later. But that was his that was his last. Play, and that's where he wrote it. The chief medical examiner, Dr. Elliot Gross, listed his cause of death as asphyxia. How? Great Mm. question. By accidentally inhaling the plastic cap from a bottle of nasal spray or eye solution. No. Something about it was in his mouth and he tipped his eye back and he swallowed it.
1: He was just doing too much. The man who did too much.
2: I think- also some people claim that that's a way to do barbiturates like you put some in a cap. I don't know the the oh. mechanics of that, but that is the official cause of death and that's how it happened. Uh-huh. But not everyone believes that to be true. Okay. That is the official way and that is the strange way and it's not really like that bizarre mm-hmm. it just seems like a tragic way when you're already kind of in an unraveling state yeah some people believe he died from an overdose of the sleep medication Senecal. Mm. like i said the official report asphyxia
1: putting in a contact and he had a cap in his mouth or, or leaning over
2: it was either nasal spray okay which could be a bit addictive i've used nasal spray Yeah. More than once. Or eye drops, like a Visine or something like that.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Oof.
2: However, according to newyork.cbslocal.com, when this happened, John Euchre, who was his companion and assistant, Mm -hmm. was still around. He told the New York City medical examiner, look, people are going to think it's suicide or AIDS or something bizarre, and we don't know what happened, Sadek said in the interview. So the medical examiner said, okay, he choked on a bottle cap. But really, his body just gave up, and the eventual diagnosis was intolerance. Hmm. I don't know, again, like, I, I don't know how somebody would want to compromise. I feel like the go-to wouldn't have to be, oh, it's AIDS. And this is 1983, so this yeah, is, you know, AIDS is, is really- Yeah,
1: we're I, getting into the AIDS. We, we're
2: definitely getting season. in there, but I feel like it's not- I don't think it's necessarily the first thing that would come out of people's mouth. Overdose? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And maybe just, you know, uh, natural causes by unnatural causes? Possibly. But there is a kind of, uh, kind of a tug of war between how he actually died, but officially is choking on a bottle cap. And I don't know why a medical examiner, I don't know if they just have a list of things just in case someone's like, Hey, listen, this, I don't, we don't want people to think it's something that's going to, leave a bad legacy mm-hmm. so he's like oh i'll just do the old choking on a nasal spray or eye drop
1: but don't cover. they have to like have it like in a little baggie at the corners office? it i i mean i get it i've almost choked on many caps before not drug related just me being an idiot related but i think it's got to be just like he was fucked up and like put this thing in his, and i was just like kind of lost it.
2: Where it's almost a combination of all the things that they're mentioning, I'm sure, you know, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that he probably wasn't maybe sober or lucid at the time regardless, but I don't know. I don't know why they're like, "Listen, people are going to think it's suicide." I mean, he was 71. Yeah. Not it's not like, you know, if he was 31 or maybe even 51, Yeah. I, I don't think people would necessarily in 1983 be like 71 had to be suicide or AIDS.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's
2: that's what I get from it, but uh, again, the people know you know better than I what it might be, and I understand trying to cover up things, but I don't know how he's like. Oh, listen, choking on a, a bottle cap, you know, some kind of Visine cap, which is very strange. is mm-hmm. it necessarily. Are people going to be like that's a really odd way to go? I don't know if that yeah. makes it any better. If you're going to make something up, it's just like oh, you know, died peacefully in his sleep. Yeah, exactly, 71.
1: exactly. Or like, or you'd be like, yeah, his body get- exhaustion. Yeah. don't people use that all the time? Or like. Uh, exhaustion. Yeah. They com- were exhausted.
2: You, know, uh, you, know, pr- you know, prior health issues. So I, I don't know why there was such a strong need for this person to be like quick, say, put anything outrageous. Yeah. Just so people don't think it was suicide or well, AIDS. Sorry well, I'm saying AIDS so much, but it's like. But,
1: but no, I mean, 83, whatever, uh, the, the early 80s, I think certainly, you know, if you're a, a gay man at that time, people c- catastrophize your life and – you know, AIDS was this feared thing. People didn't understand it. People were ignorant around it. Um, so I certainly get it. Although, so it w- was his assistant companion, Euchre, was he, were they to, was there I guess so.
2: Yeah, I guess they were. Romantic. Uh, yeah.
1: I, I mean, that makes sense to me where he's just like, whatever, anything, like, just get this out of the press. Like, let's, like, make this, you know, as small as we can make and it. And I don't know
2: how New York, the, the chief medical examiners, mm-hmm. again, you know, do people lie? Yes, all the time. I'm sure I'm like ignorant to that fact, but is he going to be like, Hey, uh, just, can you just lie at your job? And he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, okay. And I understand he's he's a celebrity and I don't know the relationships, but I just wonder like how factual. Any of this is.
1: Or, you know, like with any truth, it's like, there are multiple things that go in it. There are different perspectives. People can die. Like, I assume what this really is from multiple things. Like, all these things kind of came to a head, but like really, it was this cap. And I think it's really hard for people too to think about this, you know, legendary artist being someone we
2: all kind of, you know, was yeah, part of the reading curriculum at school
1: totally being bested by a cap. You know, I think that feels unsatisfying because it's it's not the whole truth. It's part of the truth, maybe, but I don't think it's the whole truth. So you know, it's not a great a great way to give anybody closure. I don't think.
2: Was, it, there's, you know, what we heard previously is interview with Dick Cavett, just mm. really interesting. Kind of just mentions, you know, cemeteries and and such, and kind of seems to have a somewhat fascination with death, as you know, a lot of mm. artists are, and and you know, you think about those things. So um, we
1: never think about those things.
2: No, just always kind of like, hey, do you, do you need wealth management? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. we,
1: need, <laughs> we need five
2: boss babes. Exactly. To-
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: download the free angie mobile app today or visit angie.com that's a-n-g-i dot com
2: our kids have said to us since we've moved to minnesota we are far more active than we've ever been
1: anywhere else we've ever lived moving to minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us
0: just this overall sense of community the values that you know minnesotans have it's a real accepting loving community especially with two young kids See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, and even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com live.